0: The Classic Metal Podcast. With Rev Taylor and Darren Wall. Reviews, interviews, and conversation since 2021.
1: Hello and welcome back once again to another episode of Keepers of the Flame, the Classic Heavy Metal Podcast. This is the first episode of Season 2. We are... Back in the saddle after our year-end top albums slash Iron Maiden extravaganza, and we are forging ahead with our second season. Hopefully, we'll be a little more consistent with episodes this year. Um, We're coming back with a bit of a leaner format just to kind of keep the episodes, you know, under the two to three hour mark for all of you. I mean, some of you guys, I think, enjoy listening to us ramble for three hours, but we kind of feel like it might be a little more effective if it's trimmed down just, just a tad. So we're going to be limiting it to our picks of the week and uh, an out the album deep dive. And if there's other little pertinent issues we're going to, we can talk about, we'll chat about that too. But, you know, we're not going to have a big discussion section anymore because we were just basically coming up, having a hard time coming up with shit to talk about. Uh, so anyway, um, my name is Darren Wall. With me, as always, my awesome co-host, Rev Taylor. How you doing, man?
0: Doing pretty well. Uh, we're doing something we've never done before on the podcast, which is recording it in the... Uh, all right, well, I guess it's not technically the morning, but it's early in the day, just afternoon, so I've, uh, I've got my coffee and uh, the remains of a breakfast burrito and just kind of getting the day started with the podcast, so that's going to be a fun new way to do it, and, uh, you know, this is recorded in late January 2022. We've got more COVID outbreak fun going on, so I'm kind of isolating here in the, in the house, but glad to have a chance to connect and talk about some heavy music.
1: For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a Saturday morning. I do have a choice beverage. I have, I have coffee in my beer, but nice. I have a oatmeal stout with coffee and aged in Asian bourbon barrels with maple syrup from Copper Tail Brewing out of Denver, Colorado. The name of the beer is Maple Snowed In. These guys do really good work with stouts and dark beer barrel aging. So it's Saturday. I had a long week, so I am enjoying a, you know noon beer it's after it's technically afternoon even though i guess we started setting things up in the morning but yeah it's a little different but hey i'm digging it so away we go um we are actually going to start with our picks of the week from our own collection that's going to kind of be the new format and try it out uh so why don't you go first man you got a pick from your collection you want to talk about
0: yeah i just uh gonna grab a record that i've been spinning a lot on the turntable um And it's kind of fully opened my mind, I guess, to this band that I've always liked, but uh, haven't owned as much music by. So this is the, I guess, second most recent album by Clutch, entitled Psychic Warfare. Some of you guys might know this. I'm sure almost everybody out there knows Clutch has encountered them in one way or another. Um, Yeah, this is just a I've been so impressed with how well Clutch can weave together these different threads of being really legitimate musicians, being really kind of tongue-in-cheek and funny, but also like having some legitimate depth to it and the way they kind of walk all those lines is just really deft and really enjoyable. Um, Frontman Neil Fallon obviously is just a really big charismatic talent um, and I really enjoy his kind of off kilter storytelling, as well as, uh, I don't know, as well as the vocals themselves. The band is just so tight. It seems like you can just tell these guys have been playing together for a long time. Um, of course, they've been around for years and years, but I've actually been enjoying kind of getting into the um, most recent end of their discography. I mean, I remember Blast Tyrant uh, back when I was like a teenager, hearing that one, that was my first exposure to Clutch, and I really liked it. Saw them on one of those big, uh, uh, you know, big festival tours that used to happen every summer. Um, But uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying uh, this one. And the the most recent one, The Book of Bad Decisions is a lot of fun too. Um, But this is a little more straight ahead, rock and roll than that one. Uh, It's a little bit more tight and compact. Um, It's got some really fun tracks on it. It starts with X-Ray Visions. It's got this great part where Neil Fallon's just like introducing the band with their Zodiac signs, which is pretty funny.
1: Yeah, that's it's phone. Scorpio. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> that's a
0: great one. Yeah, and it's got it's got some quick death, uh, a quick death in Texas is a hilarious song. Um, got some cool like ballad type stuff, Our Lady of Electric Light, and uh, and then the the closing track, Son of Virginia, I think is just a really.
1: That's my favorite uh, song on that record. That's one of my favorite yeah. plush songs. It's just reminds you of being like in a smoky bar.
0: With, yeah, you know,
1: a bluesy band bland, band, not a bluesy. <laughs> Bluesy band, not a boozy bland. <laughs> wow, that was quite the mix-up there.
0: Well, I mean, it can really go either way in the smoky bar, you know? It's true. You know, sometimes you get the blues band, and sometimes you get the booze bland. So It's true. There is lots of
1: uh, bland booze sold at uh, dive bars, unfortunately. But
0: Yeah, but I think that's like Son of Virginia. That song was brilliant. Because, and I like the way that he ties together, like, his own personal history, being from Virginia, but then tying it into, like, this uh, Christ imagery with, like, son of virginia being like an alternate name for the you know son of the virgin it's, it's just really smart and cool and like um a little bit spooky and they just managed to hit that combination of things so well yeah. uh and this album's just like i like how straightforward it is um straightforward high energy for the most part not too long flows really well but um lots of little details in the playing and the rhythm section, in the, uh, in the riffs, in the vocals, in the lyrics. So it's, it's a great combination of something that's really, uh, efficient and simple and, um, works well. It is clear, but it has all these other different colors and all these different complexities to it, the more you listen to it. So I've been spinning this record, you know, once a week, probably for the last couple of months. Um, so if you haven't for any reason, you haven't gotten into clutch or, uh, Maybe remember some of their old stuff, but haven't listened to them recently. Like definitely recommend this one. The cover art's awesome. I don't know what this is. It's like a, looks okay. like some sort of uh, warrior angel that's on the turret of a battleship or something. Yeah, I don't know if it's like an old yeah. stock photo. It looks like something from one of those old battleships circa, uh, you know, like right before World War One when that was still. It's
1: definitely. got a real 90s vibe, that cover.
0: It does, yeah. But then on the back, they've got what's probably a different, boat that has like um the name of the, the boat and everything and it just that brings forward the kind of working class vibe which is something clutch sort of has going on so i don't know i i just like this band more and more the more i listen to them and the more it just feels like there's an itch that that something when i when i go to my vinyl collection there's just certain records i always gravitate towards because i know they're going to scratch this very particular itch and uh yeah, I was wandering around the record store the other day looking for like something else that might scratch that and just ended up buying another Clutch record because there's not <laughs> yeah. a lot that's like that. There's some <laughs> bands
1: that sound better. I mean vinyl is my preferred format because I like the big artwork. I like putting it on the table. I like that the, the records. People thumb through each other's records and it makes for a conversation piece. But some bands sound better on vinyl than others. Mm-hmm. Clutch sounds fantastic on vinyl. There's no question it is. and that, that, that is I think their best album of their Recent era, mm-hmm. um, that's a fantastic record. I really like that "Son of Virginia" song. Just the dynamics they play, how they kind of go mm-hmm. up and down, and they take, the, you know, they they take you on a different, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. You know, there's some like mellow parts, some really groovy, bouncy parts, um, and yeah, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen Clutch live, oh my god, this a band you need to go see live. They have a connection with the audience that's just amazing. So,
0: I was really sad to see they're not coming to Seattle on their upcoming us tour yeah i'm contemplating
1: going up to vancouver if the borders are allowing it Um, yeah that's going to be something i'd like to do because they are they are huge in vancouver i think they played two shows up there on their tour because the first one sold out so fast so they uh yeah they 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 do really well up there
0: hey well if you've got room in your trunk let me know.
1: hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well my pick of the week and i know i've talked about 90s motorhead a lot on this show Mm -hmm. i've done overnight since I picked Overnight Sensation. I think I picked Sacrifice at one point, but I'm going to stay with that tradition, and I am going to pick Recently Acquired Bastards by Motorhead, Mm -hmm. which I think is the best of the early 90s Motorhead. Um, This album came out in 1993. Um, It was on ZYX Records by the looks of things. Uh, This is a reissue that came out in 2013 that I have. This is not an original copy, but this album just rocks, like proud and true. It's Motorhead at their peak. They were still a four piece at this time. Um, it was the, line, the the classic trio of Lemmy and Phil Campbell and Mickey D, but they also still had Wurzel on guitar. So they were there's a bit of more depth to the guitar sound on this. It's a very thick sounding album. It's very well recorded. It has really good early 90s production, just one of my favorite eras of music right. production. <laughs> it's all good, we're having right. some furniture issues. Yeah. Um, Uh, But yeah, side one of this album especially, the first five tracks are just awesome. The first two songs, On Your Feet or On Your Knees and Burner are both under the three minute mark. They're super fast, they're super punky, they're super rock and roll, they're super motorhead. Um, Death or Glory is awesome. I Am The Sword is amazing. Born to Raise Hell is one of those songs that everybody knows. Uh, It's a a well-known motorhead song. It's one of those songs that even people who don't know motorhead, they probably have heard this before. There's another version out there. I think it was from that movie Airheads that came out in the '90s uh, with Brendan Fraser. A classic rock and roll movie where they try to where they take over a radio station with pepper spray, water guns. Um, they have a version on that with Ice T and uh, Whitfield Crane um, from Ugly Kid Joe on it. It's a pretty good, pretty good version. Um, but my favorite song on this one is uh, the second last track, "We Bring the Shake." It's a really cool. It's almost like a slower, like, grooving, droning song, but it just rocks really hard. I mean, like I said, I think that this era, this lineup and this era of Motorhead was by far the most talented one. Um, And they just, they were, they were on, they were really on a roll. They made some great records. um, Often overlooked um, because of how classic and how influential, you know, Bomber and Overkill and Ace of Spades were and even Iron Fist. But this stuff in the early '90s was badass. Um, the CD version I have of this has a bonus track of jump, they're covering "Jumping Jack Flash," and it's pretty hysterical. I mean, <laughs> Motorhead's never been the best cover band, I don't think, but they always do a pretty damn. It's always pretty solid. It's always you know, it's always endearing to hear Lemmy kind of you know sing sing other people's stuff. He makes it a little more rock and roll. Like I remember they've done. They did a weird cover enter sandman which was odd that i've heard um hmm. i re- i know they did um what what um they did a twisted sister song uh, a while ago and i can't remember which one which one it was but they did a really good twisted sister cover uh they've done a few really cool cover tunes over the years
0: i've heard the uh heroes by david bowie one
1: yeah they did they've done that one so um yeah they, they, they they've done some cool stuff over the years um, But yeah, if you need an intro and you are finally going to listen to me crowing about how good um, early to mid-90s era Motorhead was, this is the album that you want to get. First, it's called Bastards. Not the easiest to find, but it's out there. So Motorhead, Bastards, get it. Get into that early 90s Motorhead stuff because it rocks hard.
0: It makes sense. And when I think about you and your music taste, you know, I think about, you like things raw and loose in certain ways in the way that the Motorhead does it. You don't like things to sound too artificial, but you do like good production values. Yeah, and I think I this era of Motorhead like brings those things together, like the rawness that is Motorhead, but then you're able to hear a little bit more clearly what the what all the members are doing and, and like actually what's going on. Not that you can't on some of the earlier ones, but it's a little bit more of a raw production on the classic records.
1: Totally. I mean, I love the classic records too. I just kind of really feel that you know they they put it all together in the ni- in the '90s and I, that those one those albums are kind of overlooked. So that's generally why I'm always screaming about it. But yeah, you're you're spot on on, on, on a, That's a really good take on why I like them so much. <laughs> all right, well there you have it. Our first two picks of the for 2022. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, it's always fun to do to kind of pull it out of your the collection and spin it once too before talking about it. it gives me a chance to reconnect with this thing uh, so moving on from that we are going to get right into our you know first album that we're going to do a deep dive on for the year on our first episode of season two um and we have selected the new solo album from tony martin called thorns now everybody knows tony martin best from his black sabbath days you know everyone knows eternal idol I, eternal idol headless crossed here etc um, this is like that era of Sabbath was kind of maligned back in the day, possibly because it just came along at the wrong time. Maybe they were kind of considered old hat by then. Um, for whatever reason, it's kind of had, but it's kind of had a resurgence lately. Like people are really getting into these Tony Martin al- era albums now from Sabbath, and I really think that that's justified. I mean, they're really really cool records.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, what kind of strikes me is that as people are kind of developing an appreciation for the, the sound palette of 80s metal and for all the, the stuff that 80s metal could be. Uh, they, you start looking around for different things that were happening back then that, that kind of scratch that itch in a in, in new way. And this is actually, that Sabbath stuff is really interesting because it it is noticeably Tony Iommi uh, in terms of the quality of the riffs and the kind of harmonic choices and the general kind of spookiness and oddness of the way he plays guitar. But then it's got Tony Martin, who sounds more like, you know, a a late eighties metal singer, you know, in the classic sense with, with, um, you know, he's probably the, the, out of all Sabbath singers, the guy who sings the highest notes on records and um, probably the guy who, at least on those records has the most mm, like flashy vocal style even compared with, uh, you know, Ozzy or Dio, who's obviously a you know master of the craft, but is not necessarily flashy in terms of high notes and stuff. And yeah, 20, he's more about he's 20 more 20 about
1: minutes. hooks and power.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, Headless Cross is is an excellent album. I think I can see why if you're a Sabbath fan and you were expecting something that sounded more like other Black Sabbath, it wouldn't quite scratch that itch because it's its own thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those albums are really cool. I, I uh, dug a little deeper into Tier actually before um, doing this podcast, because I know Headless Cross pretty well, but I don't know Tier quite as well. But, uh, and my first take on it is that it was not quite up to the quality level of Headless Cross. I think that's probably true, but yeah. listening to it again, I'm like, some of this stuff is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the first track, Ana Mundi, from that song with all the like little choir bits that Tony Martin sings in his like weirdly terrible British accent in Latin. you sanctus, <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, I mean, it's I think that I'm glad that there is that resurgence of interest because it's it's one of those things. Like when you look at it, it's a, an interesting confluence of different talents, especially you know those albums that had Cozy Powell playing drums on them. Um, it wasn't the original Sabbath lineup. It almost you almost wish. Like that, you know, how the Dio lineup kind of went as heaven and hell. Mm. Uh, I almost wish these guys would put out another album under some other different name, like Headless Cross, the band. Yeah. Why not?
1: We all know they're not allowed to use it because of legal stuff, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But apparently, it's the resurgence. I've just read that these Sabbath era albums with Tony Martin are getting reissued. Yes. Um, nice. Whether they're getting remastered or not, I don't know, but they're going to get reissued with new pressing, which is awesome. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think a lot of other people are too. But yeah, I mean, the, these albums are, are ones that, you know, I, th- I think if you're, yeah, like you said, if you're a diehard Sabbath fan and you get into the Ozzy era or the Dio era, you know, you're probably going to have a tough time with these albums the first time you listen to them, mainly just because they're so different. Um, but if you can listen to albums objectively and just be like, this is a, a body of work and some music, and a collection of songs, and listen to it for what it is, not worry about what came before. Yeah, those are some pretty cool records. Um, Tear is one I've never really gotten into, um, but the other ones, yeah, I, I love them, man. I love the Tony Martin Sabbath. But anyway, this isn't the Sabbath show. Right. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about the new album, Thorns, which is his first solo album in 17 years, his first proper solo album. It's also his first full length he's been on in 10. Because he's done a lot of session work for other people, I guess, or been involved with other projects. But this album uh, in particular just came out. It was released on the 14th of January, 2022, um, on Battle God Productions. Um, and overall, like, my my impressions of this album are, well, to- first of all, Tony still sounds really good. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's in fine form, especially for a guy who's in his 60s. I think he sounds mm-hmm. great. Um, you know the production of this album you know if, if you want something that's going to sound like sabbath production wise you're not going to get it with this it's a big bold modern sounding record um it's definitely a 2022 album um very bottom heavy on this mix there's a lot of bass there's a lot of drum a lot of low a lot of drums um apart from that the songs like man it's a real mixed bag on this record it was definitely interesting it's a mix of some really awesome stuff some really kind of mediocre stuff and some weird shit that some of it's i don't know some of it is pretty cringy um some of it i can't figure out if it's cool or not some of it i kind of like um some of it works some of it doesn't there's like there's a lot of Sabbath vibes on some of these tracks. Um, there's some thrashy shit. There's some weird jazzy shit. There's some new metal. Um,
0: there's, there's more than some new metal actually. Yeah. There's a surprising amount of new metal on this album. It
1: is, it is, I'll say it's much more aggressive than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, it's also much more diverse than I expected it to be. What what did you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, I really appreciated the diversity on it. Uh, even though it's hit or miss, like I, I, I'm not going to, this is not something I would consider a masterpiece by any means, but it does, it's a boon to us as people discussing this album, that there's a lot of strong choices on it that will make it easy to talk about, which is nice. Um, And a lot of the songs really do stand out from one another in strong ways. Um, Which an album like this, kind of like you said, I mean, one of my main fears is like I'm going to be stuck listening to something that's kind of mediocre and it all sounds the same and I can't figure out what exactly to talk about. But yeah, uh, there's actually some like kind of interesting bold choices on here. And and whether you think they work or not, um, I definitely appreciated how much um, fun it seemed like they were having um, with putting this together in terms of uh and, and little bits of experimentation and making the songs stand out from one another and yeah, a couple of them actually are quite successful a couple of yes. them not so much and a couple are an interesting mix of moments that that really work and that really don't and for me listening to it it was sometimes like sometimes i'd hear one part and be like oh yeah okay cool yeah but then the next time i'd listen to it i'd be like uh, no so it's it's interesting it's like even for me like on different listenings different things popped out as working and and or not working. I don't think I'm going to be listening to this album on the regular after this probably, but uh, there may be a couple songs that make it into the playlists. And regardless, like I'm, you know, it's cool that Tony Martin's out there. He's still working. He's doing what he loves. He's uh, seemingly having fun with it and collaborating with people and making music and, and bringing up the conversation, bringing us, you know, to talk about his legacy as a, as a singer and also, uh, just staying in the scene. So good for him.
1: Yeah, he certainly didn't play it safe and I appreciate that. You know, kind of like, uh, you know, for everybody that listens out there, one of the things that we struggle with when we are picking albums is, you know, if you want to do a deep dive on an album, sometimes there's an album that comes across our plate and, you know, people say, or people say it or we, we, we see it come, pop up in you know, on YouTube or in you know, news feeds or whatever. And, you know, it's just really middle of the road. And those are the hardest albums to deal with because there's just not a lot to talk about because it's not great. It's not terrible. What do you say? You know, and then and, and those albums are the hardest to talk about. So yeah, it's sometimes we do, you know, sometimes people say, hey, how come you didn't review X album? It's like, well, it's just kind of okay. And there really wasn't a lot to talk about. You know, it's, it's, it's a cool record, but, you know, it, there wasn't a lot going on period so and or you know sometimes you know us being in the you know independent metal scene if there's an album that we both hear that we really don't like I mean we're not in the business of you know being assholes and like stepping on our peers and you know trying to clip their wings that's just not cool that's not what we're about we're trying to be constructive we're trying to we give criticism sometimes but we try to keep them constructive but albums like this though I mean Tony Martin doesn't give a shit you think. <laughs> Right. You know, except, yeah, I and mean, I mean, I'm sure he
0: got replacing Dio and Ozzy. I'm sure he got so much crap. Yeah. When he was doing this for the, initially back in the '90s. Oh that,
1: yeah. Like Blaze, like, just like Blaze, right? Yeah. I mean, and you know, there's also like, you know, it's, you know, we were kind of hard on the new Accept album, the new Age of Steel album, maybe last year, maybe, but you know, they don't care. <laughs> you know, like they're they're too busy selling out. You know, playing festivals and selling rooms out in Europe. To really care with two guys in Seattle so <laughs> right you know they're they're a little more established but you know when it comes to like a lot of the smaller bands that are trying to take off if we don't really like it um and we don't really have anything good to say period or anything destructive we'll just pass on it like just yeah. just putting that out there because you know we're not out there to think, we're not out there to listen to an album with people that are trying to accomplish the same things we are and just be like you suck
0: and spend an hour talking about how Yeah, not,
1: that's that's just now they're spending an hour talking about how terrible they are. That's just not the point of this prog- podcast. Anyway.
0: <laughs> that that's said like this I, I think this is totally in our wheelhouse in a, in a couple of different ways and one of them is just that like now we've kind of got a thing going where we talk about these albums by, you know, replacement singers for major bands because we had, you know, the the blaze bailey album we liked so much last year we both really liked the todd Latory album last year so it just seemed natural like oh tony martin's gonna do an album well that's yeah it's, 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 we it's, about.
1: it's kind of cool and it's kind of cool that these guys are, are still putting out music and um i dig it i think solo albums are cool and it's nice to see people do their own it's kind of express their own thing in their own environment but he has hired some really talented people on this record he's got mm-hmm. magnus rosen on bass who is best known for his time in hammerfall um He's one of the most talented bassists in the power metal scene. He's also got Danny Needham, who was in Venom, mm-hmm. on the drums. So he's got some he's got some names here. So let's get into this right away. Let's start digging in these songs. So we start off with "As the World Burns," um, and this song comes out of the gate swinging. Uh, it's very aggressive. It's very fast. Um, I'm like, I got, I played, hit this play. I'm like, okay, we got a metal album here. You know, sometimes you don't know, sometimes, you know, the singers come out and like Jeff Tate made a pop album in the 2000s and you just don't know what you're going to get. So there's definitely a metal album. Um, uh, It's a bit of like, I mean, this is kind of a cool song. Um, There's a lot of different parts to it and it's a bit of riff salad. You know, there's just a lot of parts to go together. and I'm not sure that it really creates a coherent flow or a coherent song. Um, There's some, you know, you you hear Tony's kind of cool vocal melodies and how he's a little bit off kilter at times. Um, So it's kind of a cool tune, not necessarily a home run or a huge success, I don't think, but um, it's all right. Um, What did did you think?
0: I did not particularly like this song. I mean, this is one that that came out, um, you know, as the first single. And there was like a lyric video for it, I think. And I, I did actually check it out before we even brought it up for the project I was like oh Tony Martin solo and I clicked on it and listened to it and I at first listened thought Oof, I do not like this at all
1: it's um, way different it's yeah way different.
0: it's just like the riff salad thing the slightly like new metal production that we've got going on in it. And I think I will say it grew on me a little bit but I still don't think it's it's one of the better tracks on the album I, I think they could have maybe picked a better one to play first yeah um, it's like lyrically it seems pretty generic like metal word salad a little bit too to me and then there's some moments where Tony's singing the high notes that sound like he's just not eh, not quite quite there I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the color it's like on the word cry cry but it's yeah, like it was a little weird. he kind of drops down I think he's trying to do a thing where he slides down to like illustrate the word cry cry which is cool I do that too sometimes but he just like leaves the the pitch he's shooting for a little too soon and so there it was sounds... a couple moments
1: like that on this record
0: yeah, and there's a couple
1: odd vocal choices that I heard.
0: Yeah, and and you know, having heard some of those live videos of um Sabbath back in the day, like where he could he didn't wasn't quite able to get some of those higher falsetto bits in some of those recordings. I don't know if that was a regular thing for him or if it was just like those nights were off for him, but it so that was as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh no, this is going to be like maybe this is not going to be such a good vocal album, but as it turns out yeah there's a couple other times but for the most part uh that doesn't happen again on this album and a lot of his higher notes actually sound quite good so that was an oddity and in context of the whole album it didn't bother me as much as it did when I just heard the song yeah for you sure you know for sure um, yeah. yeah but yeah you can definitely hear um like the vocal melodies I definitely hear some Dio influence which mm. is not surprising um Given the background, but I noticed that more than I do on on the old Tony Martin Sabbath stuff. Um, I, I wonder if Tony Martin's listening to some of the later Dio stuff to kind of get inspiration for how you can um, make some of this stuff work as an older singer. Could be, um, but yeah, I, I like the vocal lines. Not so sure about the lyrics in a lot of these cases on the album, but we'll we'll get around to that. Um, so yeah, this is this was not my favorite track. I but it does have. It's moments. I just kind of wish that they had maybe chosen a little bit more of a focused approach because though it's one of those that were like the the verse into the pre-chorus into the chorus just like feels like it stutters to me and doesn't maintain a momentum that that feels satisfying to me. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: I, I agree, I and mean, it's just it's, it's it's like I said, it's it's, it's okay. I, I I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was anything amazing. Um, I did definitely feel that it was just kind of cobbled together it didn't feel like there was any kind of real flow or um story that was put together with this one just a lot of riffs a lot of riffs and you know same with the vocals but i don't know it it, it was just okay not the strongest opener um but i did like the second song a lot more at least parts of it yeah Um, i do uh black widow angel um which is a very do much doomier vibe we slow right down on this track Mm -hmm. Um like the, the riff in the verses was a little strange, I found. Like mm-hmm. but, but it was not not in a bad way. It it was it was they were just like a little different, a little off kilter, but it was cool. But, um he really hit some high notes on this one. Um he shows off that he still got some really good range. Um <laughs> the chorus kind of made me laugh because it really sounds like Soundgarden. And I think they even say Black Hole Sun. Yeah, Black famous.
0: Little Angel, something you're the one. Now you're the angel of the black, black hole. Sun. sun. Yeah. And, and it just re- got me. Th- yeah. I was like, is that a thing in a non sound garden context or is this like a sound garden reference?
1: Maybe, but and, and he really sounded, he was singing like Cornell. on He does. Too. Yeah. He really did. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Like he did a really good, you know, job of it. It would just kind of made me go, huh? When he said that, I was like, man, cause I, I, I remember thinking, Oh yeah, that's like a, cause it, it has like, you know, early sound gardens. Had that real Sabbathy vibe too, that real Doomy vibe. And when they got to that chorus, I started thinking, "Oh man, this kind of harkens back to some of that Bad Motorfinger, louder, you know, louder than Love uh, era of Soundgarden with the way he was singing." And then he said, "Black Hole Sun." I was like, "What?"
0: Yeah, it might be on purpose. Be it very, very well, it very well might be. Um,
1: but you know, it, it, it this is a very cool song overall. Um, then we get the bass part. <laughs> And I don't know what the hell that was, but you know it's very. What was the word? Who did you liken it to?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember, but was it yeah, Mudvane? It, it was Mudvayne. Yeah, it definitely sounds like. I mean, I was surprised when I saw that it was the ex Hammerfall bassist playing on this. I was like, sounds like they got the Mudvayne guy because it's got like instead it's of having a guitar. Processed. Yeah, instead of having a guitar solo on this song, there's this odd like bass solo groove breakdown with the like i mean you'd probably know how to describe the bass tone but it's that (laughs) kind of thing going on there's
1: like it's it's just heavily processed really compressed and there's there's some kind of chorus or flanger kind of thing going on there it's really i don't know i mean i love it when the bass player gets a moment of course i'm a bass player but i was like god damn like why this yeah. Especially when you have Magnus Rosen who's very capable. He's a very capable funk player. And like even like classical music, he's very, very talented. But yeah, it, it was a very, very odd choice, especially in the context of this song. You know, yeah. it didn't it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. It kinda of came out of nowhere. I wouldn't say it ruined the song, um, but it's just a bizarre bizarre twist.
0: It was definitely a little bit of a head scratcher, but I don't know, those WTF moments are kind of like gifts to us as you know, wannabe music journalists talking yeah, about it because exactly. it gives us something to focus on. And it really did like make me double take the first time I heard it. Well, yeah, um, But, uh, you know, it's one of those things like once you get used to it and accept the fact that like, okay, we've got a little funk new metal bass breakdown in the middle of this song. Oh, this morning I listened to it again and now I'm used to it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. It doesn't yeah. really bother me. I mean, the first time I heard it, I, I laughed out loud, like alone in my car. Oh, same but.
1: here. I I, I I I literally I was on the way to meet you guys at practice, and I was like, "What? <laughs> like, like, are you serious?" There was there's a couple like my first my first listen was in the truck on the way to uh meet you guys for practice on a Friday yeah. night, and there was three or four moments where I was like, "What? What?" <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And that was the first one where I was just kind of like, "What just happened?" Yeah, because you know? they're they cruising along in this Sabbath, you know, Soundgarden, stone or doomy like vibe, and then also of a wow like a good solid forty seconds. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's a brief little breakdown. That's and, and that's that's why we're kind of focusing on it so much. It goes on and on. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: But I, I think yeah, you know, all in all though this song did work better for me, it seems a little bit even with that oddness. It's still a more focused song, I think, than the first one. And like the ideas, musical ideas in it are a little clearer. Um, it's catchy actually. Uh, even if the the lyrics in the chorus are a little odd with the, the sound garden reference and everything, it is uh it's it's got a, a good hook to it. And um yeah, again, not my favorite song on the album necessarily, but it within the context of it, I'm realizing, yeah, it actually works pretty well. And it's it's a good thing to put at track two because it does kind of give a good sense of the vibe of the album that's coming. I think more even than the first one does.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that, that's Black Widow Angel. Next up, we have Book of Shadows. I um, a saw a title that I've heard so many times in rock and roll, but, you know, it's oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those ones that just keeps coming. Um, so I kind I actually really like this one
0: me too Um, yeah this this is the one that like because i i kind of listened to this album in pieces a little bit i think i listened to the first two and like stopped for gas or something and then like you was driving out to practice and then this one came on and this one really uh yeah this one raised my eyebrows because it starts off with like this choral introduction yeah um super ominous yeah and we've got like i'm thinking you know it's synthesized choirs but it still sounds cool it's and you get this, bop, 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 I'm like, all right, cool, choral intro. This is interesting. But then they end up just maintaining that choral stuff throughout the entire song. Yeah. Um, and really committing to it. And it, I think it actually makes for a really cool vibe.
1: Great vibes, great soundscapes, uh, really plays to Tony's strength as a singer and
0: mm-hmm. really
1: allows him to show what he can do. I feel like this is a song, this is the kind of song he really knows how to, you know, how to sing over top of mm-hmm. um there's a great keyboard solo in this song too oh that, yeah that, that keyboard solo i think it might have been a guitar even because i think yeah. i hear some of that like mendy stuff yeah um but it is awesome it's one of the best keyboard solos i've heard in a minute and um i, I was really into that uh, it was it was very very cool so um yeah look of shadows man this is this kind of signal to me I'm like okay this has some substance to it like there's gonna be this not going to be just weird shit
0: <laughs> yeah like it, it definitely it, it's and it takes good arranging skills and like musical writing skills to put together um a choral part that sounds good, even if you're playing it on keyboard totally. still totally. like that that shows that there's more thought <laughs> being put into it than um that I might have thought on an album like this that yeah. might have gone in like a i don't know a, a more of like a local band hard rock kind of direction this this definitely sets it apart and something Tony Martin is really good at is and something that works really well in in like Headless Cross for example is setting atmosphere and like telling a a story that creates this kind of like spooky ominous atmosphere that really is like he said it's his wheelhouse so um, yeah this song was like after the first couple of songs, I was like, ooh, dear, what am I getting into? But then this one was like, oh, this is, now we something different's happening, and this this shows some real promise. And I've, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Um, also, it's got some odd touches to, like, woman narrating at the end. I don't know if that's yeah. like, a clip taken from something or what. But, but it's uh, cool. It fits. But it's cool, yeah. And um, yeah, again, just, I I really appreciated the commitment to the atmosphere of this song by carrying that. The, the choir sounds all the way through it, really integrating them completely with the song instead of just using it as an effect for an intro or a bridge or whatever.
1: Yeah, and it really kind of felt like um, they, this is a well-crafted song. It just isn't, there's no silliness. It doesn't sound mm-hmm. slapped together. This is like a well-written you know, song that had direction and a point and a, and a concept on it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, I'm really into that one. I think it was probably my favorite on the record. hmm so next up, we get "Crying Wolf," um, which has an acoustic intro, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, there were again, there were some interesting choices here that were made. Um, the, the, how he delivers like the word "crying wolf" in the chorus was a little mm-hmm. strange. Um, it kind of made me chuckle a bit. Uh, it's a little silly, um, you know. I think that this is well placed on the album. You know, you kind of have. You had two, you know, a real fast one, then a doomy one. And then, you know, they had this synth heavy one that's still kind of ominous. And now you're bringing it down even further to a uh, almost ballad type thing. Um, we're seeing like a kind of like a, you know, it's descending in intensity a little bit. So it feels like they are kind of, did put some thought into what song went where. Um, sure,
0: especially for these first few tracks. Um, I, I, I actually quite like this one. This one really stood out to me. Um, I liked it. I mean, it, it's an, an acoustic song, but it's not really a ballad. Um, no, and that's no. an interesting mix to have. And like, there's certain parts of this that definitely seem like they could have just as easily been played with electrified instruments and the full distortion and everything. But and they, do kick they, it,
1: they, and they do kick it up about halfway, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's a great guitar, guitar solo about halfway and they do kind of pick the intensity up. So there's dynamics. It's not just kind of going on for, it's not doing a, uh, senjutsu and just going on for fucking
0: yeah. no not at all I mean I think I mean, this song is better than anything on senjutsu I thought I, I really mm-hmm. I, I like this one especially um, because it had this interesting kind of groovy acoustic atmosphere which will get what's going to come back on the album in a very strange way which we'll talk about <laughs> yes yes, <laughs> But <it will>. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I thought this was cool. I thought his voice sounded good I think it's cool to hear like an unplugged performance but where the singer's going full out and uh, also, we get some great Hammond organ stuff at the end, and um, and I think I've said on the podcast before that I am a whore for Hammond organ. Yeah, they're great so it's, yeah, it's great. Like if you, you know, if you want me to say something nice about your band, just put a song with Hammond organ <laughs> on it. Well, yeah, my <laughs> I old, can't help should, myself.
1: <laughs> my old stoner band has a Hammond organ on it. I should show you that.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll <laughs> probably be all about it because because uh, I just I roll right over for Hammond organ. I yeah, they, so, I,
1: I agree with you. I love it as well.
0: But I already liked this song before the Hammond organ came in about, you know, three quarters of the way through. I was already really digging it. Um, just it, it just had a bit of a different vibe. I know there's songs like this have been done before, but I can't really think of any off the top of my head um, of like an acoustic song that still has a driving rhythm and and, and yet definitely belongs as an acoustic song um so all in all yeah this 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 might have been my favorite track on the album even though it's an oddball track
1: it's um, an oddball track uh, great singing though you know absolutely. yeah absolutely great. i mean I, I thought the how he said the words crying wolf was a little funny Crying wolf yeah yeah i thought, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny but it's 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 quirky and he's adding something he's adding a little spice on the steak so it's not quirky and it's not silly in a bad way it's a great song, and yeah, great vocal performance. So I thought this was a cool track and really well placed on the album.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then we move into "Damned by You." Um, and my first question to you is that a fucking saxophone at the beginning?
0: You know, I was asking myself that too. It's a, it's a synthesized instrument. It's not a real instrument. Yeah. But I yeah, I, for the life of me, could not figure out what setting it was supposed to be because it sounds like. Like the messed up child of a violin and a saxophone.
1: Yeah, and I think, I know, I think I it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's 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 somewhere in between. And I I was like, is that a saxophone? Are they going full Lost Boys here? Like, or is that a violin? Or is it a violin or a keyboard? Definitely synthesized. But yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's,
0: um, yeah, it's it's a, it sounds like someone. What I think it was, it sounds like they had like some sort of string setting. So like for a for a violin on the keyboard and then they started messing with the settings and kind of moved it in a saxophone direction. I don't know if that was on purpose. Um, but yeah, that was, it was kind of an odd choice because like immediately in the song, that's where my thoughts went to like, what what am I listening to? Yeah. And
1: it, I, it, it sounded, I didn't sound, I don't know if, it, I wouldn't say it sounded bad, but it was mm-hmm. just confusing.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a little odd. I think it might've been in. You know, and I know that there's a lot of keyboard stuff on here, um, but I kind of think, you know, could they have shelled out an extra couple hundred bucks to get an actual sax player or, and or string player I would, I would to be so. on this? And that might have been a, it would have been a strong choice, but it wouldn't have been as kind of like, oh, what am I hearing? It would have been like, oh, saxophone. Okay. I would be um, like, damn, a
1: saxophone solo and a rock and roll song. I haven't heard that since I don't know when.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's a, that particular sound doesn't really come back, and I wondered, especially after the strong choices they really committed to on the on tracks three and four, if we were going to be hearing a lot of that mysterious sax, violin, computer instrument. But it kind of went in another direction after that. That was more of just a thing for the intro. I think.
1: Yeah, and it, again, it's it's another it's a pretty slow song overall. Um, some of the lyrics are a little goofy. Yeah, um, the little cry like a little baby part was. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'd be yeah. kind of laughing a little bit. I was like. Well, what the fuck's going on? It seems like, I don't know, it seems like him bitter. Was it like, is it like him bitter about some relationship thing? It really sounds
0: like that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds straight out of the 80s with like the, what I do for a woman like you kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, lyrically, it didn't do much for me, but I I think the vocal lines on this are kind of cool. Like the the verse melody um, actually well executed and, and seemed like really fun to sing like a longer line that went to a couple unusual places is exactly the kind of thing that I really like to sing. So I, I did appreciate that about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate, I didn't hate this song. It was, it was just there. That was the saxophone was an odd choice. The lyrics are an odd choice, but the song overall I think works um, and, mm-hmm. and it's cool enough to, to get by. I mean, I'm not going to, not something I'm going to revisit. And it did make me chuckle at a moment for a moment or two, but it was, it was pretty cool overall um then we then this album really starts to go off the rails a
0: little bit from yeah
1: from here on out we get into the part where i start scratching my head especially for the next three songs
0: yeah.
1: you know i am I'm, I'm like three songs and then later we'll talk more i get this more head scratching later but the next three songs i'm just kind of like what's going on so What's it called? No Chance at All, is that it? No Shame no, at All. No Shame at All, that's right. Um, oh, I, I don't even know where to begin with this one. It's just is this swingy, modern-type song that sounds like an outtake from a 2000-era Black Label Society album with a <laughs> swagger. Um, I think it's supposed to be kind of like, you know, ballsy, like, fuck you, like, you got no shame at all, blah 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 it just it's yeah, it kind of,
0: yeah it seemed like it was like he wanted to do something that had a little bit more of a hair metal energy yeah and didn't but with, quite but land. but,
1: but, but down tuned and but, with with, with and, and with really modern production and it just it comes across as really campy
0: yeah it does i does not stick the landing on this especially like <laughs> the thing that i thought was funny is in the lyrics like so this is one of those songs that has like different subjects for the different verses. So it's yeah. like the first song, the first verse is describing some woman who's like, got no shame at all. And then in the, in the pre-chorus, it's like, you know, the kids are telling daddy and we seen mama like, what is it? now she's screwing other guys in the car park at the mall. She's got yeah. no shame at all. And then I'm like, all right. And then the next verse, I'm like, are we going to keep hearing about this person who's screwing other guys in the car park at the mall? But no, it's actually... A, The second verse is about a different person who's screwing people in the car park at the mall. It's about like a politician who's like, you know, it's saying like, ooh, politicians, you're so hypocritical. You're screwing people in the car park at the mall. And then the last little pre-chorus is about like priests or something. But it always ends with that same rhyme scheme. No shame at all is always rhymed with car park at the mall. And it's yeah. always somebody screwing in the car park at the mall. And I'm not sure why we have to keep hey, coming back to that image. I don't know <laughs> why.
1: And it's, I've never personally screwed to the car park at the mall. And it does not sound appealing. You know, it sounds very, I'm a large man. And that sounds like a lot of back pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you believe
0: this song, it sounds like it's widespread. Because it seems to be like. It's its
1: a thing, I guess, where he's from. But yeah, this was just, I didn't, I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck? When, when this song started, I just didn't. Really understand why or how or who green lighted this or thought it was a good idea, but again, that's a solo album, you can kind of do what you want. So, yeah,
0: uh, I, li- I listened to the first five tracks up through Damned by You on the way to practice, and I remember even telling you, Oh, god, was like, hey, I thought I think I might have uh, like misjudged this album, a and then I because- showed
1: you some of the later stuff before you yeah. left, and you were like, Oh my god, <laughs> and then I hopped
0: in the car and heard No Shame at All, and I was like, Oh, oh, uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. This one just this one just misses the mark. It doesn't. It doesn't yeah. work.
0: Um, and it so, kind of compromises it, the like.
1: Not to be an ageist, but these are also like things you don't want to hear a sixty-year-old man say.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just, <laughs> it's it's a little bit tone deaf in that regard, and and to my mind, it kind of undermines some of the more atmospheric stuff, like Book of Shadows, and even the the first track. is yeah. trying to be more like this cosmic, like religious like "ooh, the devil wants you kind of stuff but then the, kind of to get into this car park at the mall it business doesn't fit on the same like, record you're, no like a, it, that's a
1: great point dude it doesn't fit on the same record you're right yeah so let me go from there to nowhere to fly which this song does not fly no uh, <laughs> i guess it's a ballad ish um but it really sounds kind of like a 90s era ballad if anything i guess maybe a little pantera ish um now tony does sound great on this i will say yeah he he sings really well but this is all really forgettable and fucking weird
0: yeah and just the the again with the lyrics being a little bit of the weak point here at least for me uh on the album as a whole and this really shows it because it's just kind of like a i'm sad i guess why'd you leave me i've got nowhere to fly but also bringing the devil into it in a way that doesn't really make sense like the devil stoked because you got dumped. I don't know. <laughs> did not, did not fly.
1: Yeah, no, nowhere to fly did not fly with me either. It just was. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. It was just like, I was like, this is lame. Not into it. Pretty forgettable track. Yeah. And that's unless you have much more to say about it, we can move on.
0: To, Let's move on. The Passion
1: Killer. Oh God! And this is when it gets. This is when it starts to get really weird because now we are full new metal. Um, oh boy <laughs> this, <laughs> this I did not expect um, I, I have to be fully honest And it's not a word we use a lot But this song just sucks <laughs> like, I'm sorry This song is just This is really ill-advised um, it's, it's full new metal It's got those chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-riffs um, With these weird lame pentatonic licks over top of them the chorus is actually hilarious. When he's like, Passion Killer! Passion Killer! Passion Killer!
0: Well, he's, yeah, he says it and then he says it twice Passion Killer! Passion Killer! Passion Killer!
1: Passion killer. Yeah, <laughs> it's very 2000, 1999. Um,
0: <sighs> and, and yeah, and the, the mud vein bass tone is back.
1: Yeah, the Mudvane bass tone is back. The pre chorus is just painfully long. Like, yeah. they got this pre chorus is kind of building up to it, and it's painfully long, and you're like, just get to the point where you do the screamy shit because I don't (laughs) want to listen to this anymore. Um, The song just really doesn't go anywhere in general. Um, Again, it sounds like he's mad at some woman. Yeah. Um, He's calling her the passion killer. Maybe because she doesn't want to fuck him or something. I don't know. Uh, I didn't didn't like anything about this song. I just got to be real. I think this was a huge misstep. Um, I didn't like anything about it. I didn't like the production. I didn't like the songwriting. I... Really didn't like the lyrics. Um, yeah.
0: Also, there's a, the like unnecessary random quote of the Chopin funeral march.
1: <laughs> yeah. What is in the that? Of the song? Like, what is that? Like, oh my god! Like, it just doesn't. You know, I don't know. It just this might have been if 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 a band who were in their like late teens, early twenties did this song in two thousand it might with different production and a younger guy screaming it might have been considered cool at that time <laughs> but like in 2022 with a 60 year old guy singing who's an established metal singer who's you know never been in a new metal band doing it this is just really really weird and i don't know what the hell is going on i just i was really confused by this i didn't expect a song like this on this album period and this i'm still flabbergasted
0: yeah yeah, I it didn't <laughs> I didn't really hate it, but it really didn't do anything for me except make me laugh at a few points. No, it's
1: funny. I mean, like yeah. the, I'll see this. Look at the, let's let's give credit where credit's due. The playing's really good. The playing's really good throughout this record.
0: Like yeah.
1: all these guys play well. Tony sings well even on this record. Even the the snarley passion stuff, he does it well. Um but it's just funny, you know, like, yeah. and not in a good way. No. Um, But I mean,
0: it's true though. Singing wise, I was thinking about that when I listened to the verses of this song. I was like, "Singing wise, this still is better than a lot of actual new metal."
1: Certainly, yeah. I mean, he everybody here on this song is playing well. It's just a really strange choice songwriting wise.
0: Yeah, I I think I I mean, don't don't fucking get it. And that gets down to something that I think is a you know the bottom line of the album is is in the it ultimately it's not a classic, and the reason is not the playing or the production. The reason is the songwriting
1: absolutely and yeah. this is this is a pro this is maybe it's arguable this is but this is maybe the biggest case of like this is just a misstep like a ill-advised yeah. songwriter but I mean, we don't need to beat that song up i mean listen to it make up your own minds but yeah see it,
0: see if it kills your passion or not
1: see it, uh, yeah but then, you know, okay, so then we get a bit of we get a bit of a comeback. We get Run Like the Devil. I, I like this song a lot better. Maybe it's just because I really dislike the last three. Uh, no, I like, I like this one, too. It, I it, like this. It gets back to old school metal. It's got that chugging kind of like driving riff. Um, a couple cool time signatures. Um, still modern sounding, but I dug I like this one. It was fun.
0: Yeah, I thought like riffs-wise, this is one of the best tracks on the record.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know
0: why it's buried at number nine. Like, I was. This could have been a good way to start the album. Yeah,
1: I had the same exact same thought. Like this would have been a really good statement song to open it. Doesn't reveal too much. Doesn't show your doesn't show your cards too much. All the things you're gonna do, but it definitely like comes out of the gate strong with a strong riff and good atmosphere. And I'll say this about the songs: like they're all reasonable lengths on this song. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they don't stick around too long, which is nice from you know more advanced aged musician um yeah i thought this i thought this song was cool um i like the slick time changes i like the i like the riffing i think the bands on fire here i thought the vocals were just fine here um yeah great track
0: yeah one of the better songs on the record but it's hard to like notice it or fully internalize it in some ways because it's sandwiched between two of the most bizarre songs
1: it really is and so yeah Again, I don't want to harp on the ones that are weird, but I guess moving on. But yeah, Run Like the Devil Rules. Then when we get to This Is Your Damnation. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on with this song, dude? Um, I have no idea what's going on here. I don't know if this song is cool or stupid or both. Um <sighs> I was just i was i'll say this it's catchy yeah it's very very catchy um how to describe this song it's got this is it like a bouncy kind of
0: yeah like a bouncy i don't even know where you'd come across something like this but this little guitar lick that's like almost like in like a bluegrass kind of
1: yeah it's a little bluegrass a little a little bluesy Jazzy kind of thing. Yeah, um, dude, if Henry Rollins sang on this song, it would be <laughs> because <best. laughs> like if Henry Rollins was yelling at the top of his like his his lungs, even if it was lyrics similar to these, which are really weird. Um, if, if Rollins sang it or someone like that, it would probably come across a lot better. But wow, this song is just so so strange, and it's the first time I've heard the word COVID in a song. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, we get, we get the, like, intro, and then I, he just starts speaking. It's like a, a spoken, spoken word, word
1: verse. Yeah, it's a spoken word yeah. verse.
0: But it's in this very, like, hey, we're being casual kind of thing. Yeah. It only, almost seems like something Devin- it's a, it's, it's a,
1: it, Yeah, or, like, AM radio.
0: Like, yeah, hey, yeah.
1: welcome. It's the show. We're going to do the thing.
0: <laughs> and he says, I'm an ordinary guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just
1: of g- the same things you do. Why cancer? Why COVID? Why AIDS? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, wh- huh? what are you doing? I, 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 but I will admit that I listened to it a couple times because it's it's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's, mean, it's, it, and I kind of, I've always enjoyed songs that have like an upbeat kind of happy feel and dark lyrics. Yeah, kind of enjoyed that. Um, and this has that. I just don't, I'm just like, huh?
0: It's just an odd mishmash of things because it's got this spoken word thing that's obviously really tongue-in-cheek, really got, impossible to take seriously, and I, I think by design. But then the chorus, he comes in and sings very well with a catchy, seemingly serious melody. Um, and then the verse goes back to the spoken word thing. It's it's incredibly odd. Um, and then ends more or less uh, like a more normal song with actually some of the best singing on the album. Yeah. In terms of like his voice sounds extra good on this track actually when he's actually singing. So we've got this like goofy kind of not serious spoken verse stuff with the um, much more intense chorus that's like one of the better choruses on the album all played over you know, like that song, Crying Wolf, all with acoustic instruments. Yeah. So this time,
1: like really upbeat. I'm like, we, you know,
0: so it, it's definitely, it's a weird song, but in some, in, in one sense, it's like, Hey, if you listen to one song from this album, maybe it should be this one. Cause you're just like, you're not going to hear anything else like it. probably. <laughs> so you might as well check it out.
1: Well, I, you know, so this song doesn't like make me, it doesn't, it confuses me, but it doesn't necessarily, make me cringe at some of the ways like passion killer did passion killer just seems really forced and it seems like it's some kind of effort to be more modern or whatever mm-hmm. this one it's out there and it's different um and i give him full marks for doing it like you know why not it's your solo record like this this song is fun um it does feel genuine you know it kind of feels like he's trying to he has a message here. It doesn't feel like he's not talking about some woman that made him mad or something. Right. Time. It Again, I just, I can't make heads or tails of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just, I don't, I don't, uh, it's a monkey fucking a football. basically. <laughs> like I don't, I, it, it's entertaining, but I don't know if I will. I don't know if it's entertaining in a good way. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it's rock and roll music. It doesn't really need to have an answer necessarily, but uh, I guess I, I definitely encourage like I encourage our listeners to check this out and if, let, you do, let you us know do, what you think. Yeah.
1: If you do listen to one track off this record, make this the one because it's the one that will leave the most lasting impression on you. Yeah. So, but anyway, we go from that to the title track, which is to yeah. close the record. Um, an interesting song. Um, that I thought was, you know, pretty damn cool for the most part. Um, There's just one really, really weird moment in it that we'll get to. But you know, it know, starts with this, like, really... Again, we get an acoustic intro going on, and in about a minute 30, the main riff kicks in, and it's very... It's heavy, it's brooding, it's kind of building up a little bit, and it's got... I thought it had real cool tension to mm-hmm. it. Like... It, it, like they were creating good atmosphere. So I was really into it. Um, it's a good
0: choice th- for the... Yeah, I mean, it's it's good. It's a good choice for the last song on the album because it's a slow burner, kind of a ballad, but with uh, with some epicness to it, with a sweeping quality to it, with some heaviness to it. I thought it was a cool song. It does have some oddities on it. Um, it has a guest spot from Pamela Moore.
1: Yeah, um, that's super who, bad.
0: Who lives here, actually, and who y'all might remember from Operation Mind Crime, yeah, um so that's interesting, and she's got an unusual voice, unusual approach um and it is a little odd to have like a guest singer show up on the last track of the album in some ways, but um yeah
1: interesting choice, but again they're trying they're trying some different things I'm not gonna knock people for for branching out and trying stuff
0: yeah, yeah it's all in all like I think a pretty good track, however, it does have like one moment where the ghost of new metal comes back to haunt us more once ever?
1: we get a, a full david drainman from disturbed treatment with that oh ah!
0: like yeah there's a in the chorus and this has been like a totally you know for the most part by the book serious ballad and then the chorus kicks in and then tony just goes Ooh, ah, ah!
1: yeah and you're like
0: what just once <laughs> i mean well once each time the chorus comes around yeah. like it's it's a part of the thing but it's it's really really definitely made me raise my eyebrows. Like, yeah, what? because did I hear that?
1: Yeah, you're you're copying basically the most icon, pretty much like the most iconic new metal moment. Yeah, ever. it's like when people like are, are are thinking about new metal that oh
0: wow, like beginning it yeah. down with
1: the sickness by Disturbed is what they reference all yeah. the time, whether it's in reverence or to laugh at. Right. It, that's what they that's what they go to, and he did it. <laughs> like yeah. you know it's not even like kind of did it like he fully did it in this song and it's just yeah. like fucking why dude? Like, in a
0: ballad too yeah. like not in the song that sounds the most new metal but in this the ballad at the end of the album it's
1: yeah, very bizarre if, <laughs> man if he'd have done it in Passion Killer I probably would have been like okay he's just screwing around yeah. you know but here it, it's very very out of place it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's there, so sure. I don't think it ruins the song. It just kind of oh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it just it, make, it makes me go, huh, every single time. Otherwise, it's a cool song. Yeah. So, we have come to the end of Thorns by Tony Martin. Um, wow, one heck of a record. Um, I am going to I am going to recommend this album to people based just because it's so different and I think you all should listen to it and I think you'll be entertained you know if you don't love the record you'll be entertained by it it is not going to make my top albums of the year list it's not even going to come close to it it's not going to get an honorable mention but it certainly is interesting it certainly got us talking I mean sometimes when we review albums like we don't really speak about won't speak about it beforehand sometimes but sometimes we talk about them a lot. Like we'll text message back and forth and be like, "Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Or this is fucking great, or whatever." This one we talked about a lot before we came on yeah. the air. Um, so it got us talking. So I, I say go, go get it. go listen to it. Don't expect to have, don't expect it to be album of the year. Don't expect it to, you know, blow your mind. Maybe it will. Um, that's because listening to records is subjective. But I definitely suggest checking it out because it, it is at the very minimum entertaining
0: yeah yeah and we want to hear what other people think of this is your damnation especially just because um yeah it's, i didn't quite know how to internalize that song yeah. but uh yeah definitely what i i would say don't do is if you're interested in kind of getting a sense of the flavor of it you know and dipping your toe in don't just listen to the lead single and leave it at that because that won't really show you the more interesting things about what's going on here definitely find one of the the deeper cuts that we've been talking about and listen to that and then maybe expand to that song with the lyric video and everything. So yeah, dig a little deeper if you're going to check it out.
1: Yeah, dig a little deeper. Um, don't just start with the first track. Yeah, you know, like start with this is your damnation or passion killer or something like that. And, you know, check out the whole thing, man. Give it a spin. It, it definitely takes you for a ride. Um, it's not bland. It's not boring. You know, you definitely took some chances. Some of them worked, some of them didn't as we discussed. So yeah, um, get in your ear holes, uh, listen to it, make up your own minds. Let us know what you think, because you know, it'd be interested to hear. Um, but yeah, so that's it uh, for Tony Martin's Thorns album. Um, should we talk about the the fun stuff that happened over on the internet in the heavy metal world this week a little bit?
0: We could we could mention it, yeah.
1: So I guess this week um, it came out that there was a band called Sphinx that. Um, I guess they bootlegged their own performance um, from the Keep It True Festival and put it out on a VHS. I mean, a lot of people are saying, they got to get the story right, folks. A lot of people are saying that this was on their album, liner notes. It wasn't on their album, liner notes. They made a VHS of the performance at Keep It True that was I guess Keep It True's a fo- like property, and they basically slagged off the festival and the festival's organizers in this post saying, you know, you guys didn't give us enough time to play and you know didn't give us enough beer tickets and yada 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 and that caused a whole stink on the internet uh, i guess the guys from keep it true posted it uh, i haven't heard a reply from sphinx at all uh, i don't know that they've said anything um but they uh, you know the guys from keep it true put something out there saying we don't usually say this but we feel like this is way out of order you know we paid this we paid this band what they were owed and Gave them their hotel and all their agreed upon stuff. They had everything they were agreed upon, and, and I don't know. There's various stories floating back and forth, and no one knows who to ignore. But I honestly thought this whole thing was pretty funny
0: myself. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I guess I'd be interested to know what the uh, what the motivation on the part of finks was yeah because here they're so they're putting out a yeah bootleg thing of their performance and then they include on the back like in lieu of a thank you list like it's like a fuck you to keep it true festival but the thing they're harping on the most is that they only got six beers yeah not that they didn't get any beer
1: <laughs> they only got not six. that
0: like something was taken away from them or they didn't get paid or anything like that the The thing that seemed to be the stick in their craw the most was they didn't get enough free beer. What? Which,
1: I mean, <laughs> God damn, man! Uh, so, like, sometimes we don't get any free beer. <laughs> you know?
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, and, I, I I think I mean, it's who just cares. It's kind of outrageous, and I'm thinking that's probably on purpose. I don't know this band, but like, my best guess would be that that they're trying to like act like motley Crue or something and like be rock stars and like demand what they deserve kind of and me i guess what i can't figure out is to what extent it was done in seriousness and to what extent it's like a stunt about yeah. like we're so trashy we're gonna like start a fight over not getting enough free beer
1: i, I, I kind of have that feeling too i mean in some ways it's a good publicity stunt because yeah. i've never heard of these guys um now i've heard of them yeah now I know who they are. Um, again, like I'm not, I, I thought it was the whole thing. Just to me, seemed completely ludicrous. Um, it's not something I would ever do. I mean, we've been done dirty by many promoters. You know, this is a this is a thing. People in this industry, when you're a band, you know, you will get done dirty by promoters. You'll get ripped off. You'll get told there's no money when there is, um, you'll get your set shortened, you'll get your set bumped up to an earlier time. Um, By all accounts, from what I've heard from other bands who we respect and we've played with, you know, bands like Raven and Ross Boss and all those other bands that keep it true, Run's a great organization. They're a great organization. They run a tight ship. Generally, you get what you're promised. Um, So I mean, they, they've, they've always had a great reputation as being, you know, one of the better festivals to play you get taken care of. Um, also, like, you got Gus, man, all you guys' man, you gotta, there's there ain't no money in this shit. There's, like, there's no money or no glamour in playing underground metal, you know? <laughs> like, let's just be real. Um, I think we talked about it before on the podcast, but, you know, you can make it you know greyhawk we make enough money to like self-sustain you know like we make enough money for the band to kind of pay for itself like we generally don't have to shell out money for um you know merchandise or making an album or whatever we generally make that enough from door payouts mostly merch sales i mean merch sales are where the money is like if i went so for example if i want to keep it true and i play keep it true right and they paid us 100 euros and gave us six drink tickets and a hotel god damn i'd be happy <laughs> i'll be real with you you know it's like getting to play that many people and like by all accounts like what i hear from bands that go there's the whatever merch you can bring will sell like people will buy all of it so if you're properly prepared you can walk out of there making a whole bunch of money. But the, you gotta realize the onus for making money in a show isn't necessarily on the promoter it's on you um and most bands i know um that are um, on this level kind of don't worry as much what they get paid by the promoter as they do is how much merch they can sell um now, that being said, you can get to a point where you can start, if you're big enough, you can start demanding a ride or you can start demanding a guarantee because you know you're going to be able to pull in a certain amount of people at every show. But correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Sphinx was necessarily instrumental in making keep a true sellout in whatever fucking year they were. Right. I, I don't think that they were the band. I mean, I'm sure there were people there. I'm sure they have fans. And I listen to their music and it's pretty good. Uh, I see why they are booked. Um and also they were close by, you know, they're in Poland, not far from Germany. So, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's, it's probably didn't cost that much to get them over there. Um, so, but I mean, we're in a band like, goddamn, like we're playing festivals this year. and We got to fly ourselves to these festivals, guys. Like, you know, revelation here, like most festivals don't even pay your airfare. Most festivals, most festivals don't even pay your hotel. Like, if you get a hotel, if you get a place to crash, that's all a bonus. Like, the music we play is not big money music. It's not going to – and you should dream big. Of course, you should always, you know, strive for that next level and and try to get to that point where you can demand that bigger guarantee and play that national tour. But generally speaking, ain't a lot of money in this. So – I think that what you're kind of hinting at is right—that this is a bit of a PR stunt on the band's part.
0: Yeah, and I don't—if it's—if it's a a work, I guess, good, <laughs> as you might say, hey, good right? <laughs> I like it. Then, then there's—I don't know. I, I guess I can see how that might be kind of amusing, but I don't know enough about the band to know if that's like part of their persona. It seems like something like Steel Panther might do, you know. Yeah. Because it's just it's kind of absurd, and it's not something that's like, you know, this isn't like a ill considered Facebook post that someone wrote in a moment of of anger. It's not someone getting drunk and throwing hands in a, in the heat of passion. It's actually like somewhat considered. They like chose to put this on the packaging of something they released. Yeah. So it's there's a there's something strategic going on here, and and that it would be pretty bizarre to like be that childish in a targeted way when you're actually considering what to put on something you release so that was the thing that was so weird about it to me um but i, I guess if it is a, a work i don't know that they quite got the right tone because people took it so seriously
1: yeah um, and there was and there was kind of like you know and i, and I kind of get mixed on that too you know like i don't think that this is this band shouldn't get buried for this like you know Maybe it's a PR stunt. Maybe they're actually mad. Like, whatever. I don't think they deserve to get, like, you know, canceled and buried for the show. sure. It's just, they were mad. And they didn't say anything overtly. Like, I'm sure they're not going to play Keep It True again. You know, that's... right. I'm sure that bridge is burned. But I don't necessarily think that they need to get buried. And, like, you know, whatever. They're also... They look really young. I mean, when I saw the pictures, they look, like really really young kids yeah and they also just if it's not a work they might just not know any better yeah and that that's another possibility i thought about i'm like this just could be you know them kind of lashing out and whatever because because they're young kids and they think that's the punk rock metal thing to do right um so i don't think they need to be buried um they in the end there's probably a better way to express your opinion (laughs) You know, if you have a legitimate right with a festival, I'm sure the, I, again, we don't know the whole story. We don't even know close to the whole story of what happened that year. At Keep it true. So this is all speculation, but you know, there's a way to do it. And, you know, you can message the promoter behind the scenes be like, look, dude, you know, we really feel like we should have been treated a little better. Um, you know, we don't feel like we got quite enough drink tickets or whatever. Um, <laughs> also a 300 euro bar tab in germany for three guys is pretty damn impressive (laughs) beer is really cheap out there like that's that if you had six drink tickets and then you spent 300 euros on top of that between three that's an impressive night of, of imbibing so um there's that as well but um you know, I've also heard stories of these festivals that a lot of times there's unlimited booze and that hasn't gone well. You know, there's been like stories I've heard from other bands that they've been over there and there's just been like tons of beer in the backstage room and it hasn't worked out well because bands show up not ready to fucking play because A, they're young, two, or B, they're alcoholics or both or C, they just, they're nervous and they drink too much and they get out there and they play like shit. So it might be a calculated move on the band's part, on the festival's part to say, we're not going to give everybody a whole shit ton of booze because it just winds up with crappy performances. And if you're trying to bring people back to a festival year after year after year, you don't want to, you want to have bands on their to show up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it kind of seems like maybe there's some kind of pizza thrash aesthetic going on here where like the band's trying to, be like beer is our priority which, which is just like we'll play it, for it, beer yeah it's and I, i've seen some of that attitude around in the scene and it's just it's just funny to me i guess because it's so not where i'm at as a musician no. and how i approach it and and no you know I, I, everybody has their own way they come to music and to heavy metal and, and it's, it's, it's just not so my fun- motivation either man it, like, it, it, it's just so out of the realm of how i think about things and and Maybe some of this is is you know doing the trained classical musician thing, but the idea of of being a good colleague is so in my head like you you wanna like and it's not about like letting people walk all over it's just about showing respect not only to you know your audience and people you're you're working with but also just the other bands you play with so if you're at a festival and you've got a problem with the festival but the other bands had a really good time, you
1: might be the problem
0: yeah, it's just it's yeah and it's it's weird to like maybe they're not thinking about how that might alienate them from other bands a little bit who have a good relationship with the festival or who really had their breakout because of the festival or whatever it happens to be. Well, there are um, things,
1: you, you, I think you touched on a good point. There are things to complain about and things so that not. If you go, if you go play somewhere and it's happened to me before where you're supposed to play at a certain time for a certain length and all of a sudden they're like, well, you got to play now. You're now opening and you're playing for 15 minutes. Like if you've come from a faraway land, yeah. And you were supposed to get a 40, a 30 to 40 minute set. And now they're like, you're on a new and you're playing for fifty minutes. That's yeah. something to be pissed off about because yeah. you got, you hopped on an airplane and there was a schedule of people know when they were going to see you and you got screwed. That's something to be mad about. Um, if you were promised accommodations, you show up and the festival doesn't have accommodations for you. That's something to be pissed off about. If a festival promises you a thousand euros for the show, and you get there, and they give you 100 euros, that's something to be pissed off about. Who the fuck cares about beer tickets? <laughs> yeah. I just I don't mean, understand. Drink whatever you want, but like, it's, it's not anyone's responsibility to get you drunk. You know, yeah. and that's just, that just to me was the, I mean, that was the funniest part to me is that they were slagging this guy off for, for beer tickets. You know, that's the, like, only six drink tickets, fuck you. And I think you're you're right on like the kind of like the drunken pizza thrash aesthetic that they're kind of trying to, to put over there. Um, I think, I think they kind of think it's, I, I, that's why the more I, I've looked at it, the more I think it's, you know, work and I think it's trying to play up an image and they're trying to be raw and nasty and, you know, be, be, be a little abrasive, which does play to their, you know, what they, kind of what they do a little bit, but either way, I mean,
0: I I think there's ways to do that that don't involve shitting where you live. Yeah,
1: there is. But they also (laughs) went after, they went after, what they did is they went after a very visible target.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I think they thought that that was going to be, you know, a good idea. But I don't know. I think it's pretty ill advised. Um, As far as I know, like, I mean, I've only had a handful of talks with Oliver from Keep It True. He seems, as far as promoters go, he seems like one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. Um, you know he he's been very he's been very supportive of us. He's been very nice. Um, he comes across very nice. I don't know him personally, so I can't make a judgment. I've never dealt with him business wise, but my limited interactions with him is that he just seems like one of the most chill dudes.
0: Well, something that I found pretty bizarre in the aftermath of this is that there are. But there were a few other bands who were kind of like going it's, out of their way to show some support to Sphinx in yes, this that situation, that did which happen. seems like, uh, that seemed like an odd choice also it to seems kind of a little, like go out little of little your extra. way to kind it's, of line it, up.
1: Yeah, it seems a little extra, um, you know, I, I guess what you're referring to is the guys from one of the guys from Eternal Champion, you know, kind of went on a internet tirade about, you know, this whole kind of, this whole thing and you know, he said voiced a uh, voiced big uh, support for Sphinx in their dealings with Keep It True. Um, which was- And also kind chance. of
0: griped about, yeah, and, and sort of griped about Keep It True, like in simultaneously trying, yeah, trying to like, like kind of complaining about it and kind of denigrating it while also kind of trying to act above it all. And yeah. that just seemed very bizarre to me.
1: It seemed very Phil ensemble <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, I mean, if you read the post of the Phil ensemble voice, it, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a it, it's 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 a weird one, um, but yeah, it, that's that's the thing that happened last week. You know, the the, the world of heavy metal it, it it turns on and on and on and. Way
0: we go. I just think that like, it, it might be worth exploring all the many, many possibilities of what can happen when you don't run your mouth, when you don't need to. Just, I mean, I guess I get like, you know, demanding your cup of stars or whatever. I get like trying to make an impression on people. But I don't know. Sometimes you can just not hey. go off about irrelevant things and John
1: Shea- see what happens.
0: <laughs> Yeah, right.
1: You know, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, and I mean, I can, I can tell you firsthand, like, you know, you know, I we and I have been in the spotlight for non-music-related issues. And I, I, I haven't, you know, it's been, you know, people have been supportive, but I haven't even liked that, you know. I mean, even though people have been fully supportive of me through the whole, you know, incident, Boise and everything, I haven't enjoyed being the shooting guy, you right. know. I would much yeah. rather just be me than musician, you know, yeah. I do this to play music. Um, I do it to play music with my friends and people I enjoy playing music with. I do it to travel and to meet people in faraway lands. I don't want drama or anything with anybody. So you're right. There is such a thing to be said for just, you know, Hey, this, this is, you're in a band, just play music. Why do you care? You know, this thing happened to this festival where you didn't get enough drink tickets a couple of years ago. Oh, well, you know, life goes on. You know?
0: Yeah, like I just hope, I mean, the, the time may come where I feel the need to weigh in on some controversy and maybe I'll say something controversial or that I regret later or whatever it is. But I hope that when that day comes, it's not about how <laughs> much free beer I didn't get. When uh, no, I already you, got know, you beer. it would probably
1: be very, very well thought out and, and articulated and it definitely wouldn't be about how many cans of Bitburger you got before the, best yeah, of right. the show? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's a very silly situation. Um, I think we all just, every, it's funny how these stories garner so much more attention than new albums do. And I think people would just get really, really hooked on this drama. My favorite part, though, I, I do have to mention my favorite part because this shit is funny, is when the guy from Eternal Champion suggested on the original comment thread. But Oliver and the guys from Sphinx meet up at an equidistant location and have a fight to settle those. (laughs) And I was like, that is absolutely fucking hysterical. Like, the image of, like, Oliver fighting those guys is so funny. And, like, just the concept that that's actually the proper solution, rather than, like, you know, discussion and, and rational discourse is really 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 funny when you're like, yeah, let's just let's meet up halfway brother let's put this on pay-per-view on Sunday. We'll call it keep it true in the cage. You know? <laughs> like like it's just it's just really like a fucking war to settle the beer ticket score. You know, like come on man. Like no 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 one's gonna like like lay off the Jordan Peterson a little bit. <laughs> no, no one needs to like get together and throw hands about beer tickets that's just childish and ludicrous and funny as hell
0: i mean maybe if if, if, if there's going to be a work though maybe we should do it right and you can get in touch with oliver and say hey we want to like
1: let's promote let's this up,
0: let's promote this like let's yeah like we can come up with some problem to have and then like we, we can yeah. have like a multi-band melee that gets filmed yeah you know the metal and, rumble the metal yeah. rumble can
1: happen we'll have it oh a, a 30 band over the top battle royal and yeah the last person of the last band in the ring that doesn't get thrown over the top rope gets a spot at keep it true next yeah year. like
0: and some of us might get chairs in the face but we'll all get rich
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and you know and then in the end and the end you know, we will we just split the profits with keep it true so they can, you know get some more advertising or whatever you know afford to Hey, afford to give fans more drink tickets. <laughs> <laughs> the winning band gets unlimited drink <laughs> tickets and keep it true yeah. and a spot. There we go. Now we're talking. So, anyway, enough of that silliness. Um, this brings us to the end of the first episode of season two of Keepers of the Flame, the classic heavy metal podcast. Um, this was a hell of a lot of fun. This was a super fun record. I'm glad we're back doing this. And I'm glad people are stoked we're back doing this. Again, everybody out there, If you have albums you feel we should hear, um, please get them to us. We have a couple we're considering already for the next review. Uh, But if you have any suggestions, we're all ears. So send us a message on Facebook or, you know, send us individually a message on Facebook if you're friends with us. And we will consider any any submissions you guys have. So anyway, uh, get yourselves through the week and we will get back to you next time in a week or so whenever we can do this again.
0: Yep, hopefully the world will still be there in a week.
1: Please be here, world. Good night,
0: everybody. (laughs) Bye.